Welcome back to TaylorMade, a Friday Night Lights podcast. My name is Joe Bettner, and today is the day, y'all. We are at the end of the road, episodes 19 through 22 of season one. As always, there are a lot of spoilers ahead, and we dive deep into this final section of season one. Before we get right into it, though, we want to remind you, TaylorMade is available on all major podcast platforms, and if you subscribe and maybe leave us a five-star review, it helps us tremendously and gets the word out about the show. But before we get into today's episode, Episode, we need to take care of the two-minute drill. Let's start off with episode 19. A few big things you do need to know from this one. Julie finds out about Eric's job offer from TMU. Jason doesn't make the national quad rugby team. And Jackie's rain gutter is fixed by Tim Riggins. None of them take it well at all. Ultimately, Eric is still undecided by the end of the episode about the TMU coaching position. Jason is getting very close to Susie. And Tim Riggins and Jackie start hooking up. Meanwhile, Tammy wants to help Tyra get to a four-year college. And Waverly opens up more about out uh, her mental health issues to smash. Then in the next episode, which is quite heavy, uh, Dylan's campus is on lockdown and they have to play the state semifinal game on a makeshift field in the middle of a cow pasture. Dylan ultimately wins despite a heavy rain shower that basically turns the field into mud. Meanwhile, Tyra is sexually assaulted by a man in a parking lot after Landry is unable to show up to their study date. She escapes and tells the late arriving Landry of what happened. Then in episode 21, Landry tells Tammy of how Tyra was nearly raped and goes to Tyra and convinces her to go to the police. On the TMU front, Eric Taylor accepts the coaching job. Tammy asks Eric if she and Julie can stay in Dylan, but Eric refuses. And speaking of couples splitting up, Buddy and Pam are getting a divorce, and Lila catches Tim making out with Susie and throws her engagement ring away. Episode 22, the season finale, we learn Tammy is pregnant. Landry and Tyra are on better terms after Tyra initially resents Landry for telling Tammy about the night of her assault. Dylan then faces Ray Voodoo Tatum in the state title game, and of course, the Panthers emerge victorious. A lot of heavy topics on this one and uh, you know we, we, li- we like to have uh, some fun and make a lot of jokes but we do also like to have serious conversations so it's a it's a mixed bag of both those things uh, we hope you enjoy this episode and we would love your thoughts and feedback um, about what you thought of this final block of season one uh, so without further ado here is coach Taylor and Matt Saracen you're gonna be able to call the plays yes sir 22 rocket on hit 22 22 22 Rock. I can't hear you. 22! I can't hear you. 22! 22 Rock! I mean, you're QB1 of the Dillon Panthers. Your teammates, if they can hear you, they will believe in you. Now you let it out until it hurts. You understand me? 22! 22 Rocket! Hit it, hit What's your name? Matt Saracen! What you play? Do we want? Who do you play for, Saracen? Dylan Panthers. How much do you want this? I want How it, much coach. do you want this? I want it. Then take it. Uh, uh. Oops, 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 oops. I'm cutting up. All right, Panther Nation, it is time to pull out a folding chair, turn on the projector, and look over the game film. It is time to break down episodes 19 through 22 of season one, Friday Night Lights. Spencer, we are at the end. We we finally made it. What is this, episode seven? We've, we're finally uh, here at the end of uh, one of, maybe one of the greatest first seasons of a television show ever. It's It has its ups. It has its downs. Is this the best Friday Night Lights season, in your opinion? You've rewatched it more recently than me. 
You know, that is a hard question to answer because I think that three and four are really strong. What about two? It's probably the worst. We're going to get to that. But it also is lovable in a way. It's just like it's so bad the, it's good. The murder, mostly. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> There's probably people that haven't watched this yet and are like, they're joking. We, we've teased the murder before, I think. It, it's, Isn't there a shovel involved? I remember there being a shovel. It is it is coming. Um, but this is an incredible end to what is a season that probably drags on for about four or five more episodes than it needs. All the rest of the seasons are about 12 at most, I think. Yeah. I mean, this. so this is a trend that I think you're seeing across television like right now. Yeah. I mean, you're a lot of television shows are between eight and 10 episodes right now. Uh, a lot of the best ones anyway. And in the early 2000s, it was... Yeah, you were getting over, even for these hour-long dramas, there were over 20 episodes a season. And it's, you know, it's kind of crazy. It makes sense why these network shows are typically not of the same quality of an HBO or even an AMC. Yeah, you can't be, you can't be batting a thousand for 22 episodes. No. It's just really hard. Yeah, there's, they, they, don't give, they don't give these guys enough time to make the shows, to write the shows, you know, to get to edit it, to get everything right. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that season two aside, due to the writing strike that was happening in the mid two thousands, should be you know should, the quality should increase theoretically. But I do think season one was, I mean, just some of the most famous storylines of the entire series are in this first season. Undoubtedly, and we will get into those. I mean, these are some juicy plot points that get tied up to some extent some that we'll revisit in season two as well but we will start with a very interesting one first down we will go over is this i don't want to say love i almost said love triangle but (laughs) it's usually a love triangle it's um yeah it's kind of that dynamic i mean it's that same kind of feeling although you add in so what we're referring to is coach eric taylor is being courted yeah by texas methodist university is that what we're calling tmu is it for I've, sure texas it methodist? is texas methodist university it's interesting that it's in austin right here's the thing about it is that yes it is supposed to be located in austin the stadium you see in the episode is actually that of texas state university i was gonna say i mean i yeah it's, which is not actually how the stadium looks the stadium which by the way is located in san marcos texas which is not far from Austin, but you wouldn't see the Austin skyline that was digitally put in by the stadium. Joe did his research. And something. they also added another deck to the stadium. Interesting. So what digitally? you're digitally added another deck to the stadium. Why not just like fake the whole thing? <laughs> I have no clue. Wouldn't it have made more sense to just go to Kyle field or something and get rid of all the Texas A&M logos? No, I don't. I, Cause I think Texas A&M since it exists in this universe that it's important to kind of keep that. Yeah. They could have gone to like, and also gone to OU or OSU, you know, maybe not OSU. It does happen. It does. Pretty sure they go to Boone Pickens at one point. Really? Oh yeah. I remember that when the recruiter has, yeah, that's in a future season. I stumbled into a, an, a future arc. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, this, this triangle that's kind of been going all, on all season between Matt, Julie and coach Taylor in terms of just trying to figure out not a love triangle, obviously, but just kind of a tug of war between those three. Um, Julie, mostly in the middle of it being selfish and not, really caring for uh i don't know if she's selfish well she just doesn't 
care about either side of the quarterback coach relationship. She just doesn't see she doesn't see it that way. I don't think she sees it as coming before her relationship with either of them. Like she very much more values her relationship with her father and her relationship with Matt more so than like Matt's relationship with his coach. I really don't like you backdooring me into defending Julie Taylor. It's not nice to do that. <laughs> but I will defend Julie here. A, she's a teenager and she's dumb. I, I, I'm not faulting her for it, but it's she is selfish. I mean, <laughs> yeah, teenagers are selfish. I, I'm not breaking news. Spencer Davis. Teenagers are selfish. I'm not saying she's any worse than the average teenager. What I'm saying, though, is is that a coach's daughter who's had to make moves before, it is completely... i get to that. I, I think it's completely reasonable for her to finally find a place where she has made friends and has found the first person that I'm assuming that she's actually, like, quote-unquote, been in love with. Yeah. As far as high school romances sure. go. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to dig into this because... Yeah, we get that quote or whatever from Julie when she says, uh, you know, I finally settled in at Dylan, you know, whatever, you know, I'm tired of moving. They've been in Dylan for a long time, by my understanding. I mean, remember earlier in the season with the the old hometown hero that came back, Coach Taylor had been was helping him at Dylan. You know, that was, was five or six. I mean, Julie's yeah, been in was, Dylan for a while. No, now. they were they were living. They were living in a different city. He was driving in. He wasn't Dylan. on staff at Dylan? No. He was just a quarterback trainer. Oh, uh, okay. I see. That's okay. So do they so they moved they just moved to Dylan before this football season? They had been there, but I think part of it ties into the fact that Julie is a freshman in high school and that she's readjusting to life in like a new school. Okay. I was thinking that she and again, teenagers don't want to move breaking you know of course duh don't want to falter for that but it was a little bit in my first thought was that it was a little bit dramatic like you i didn't <laughs> I mean she, that's julie taylor i didn't think she had moved in six or seven years but that makes more sense but this you bring up a good point though in terms of she does not understand probably what this is doing between eric and matt because their relationship doesn't need this type of not turmoil but this type of uncertainty when yeah. they are in the midst of a playoff run an important one yeah which sees them going to the state semifinals playing on a cornfield and then going to the state championship cornfield is is a very generous way to put it a manure field i would say it's a cow pasture <laughs> <laughs> i think that, that was just like what was in my mind because it just felt so corny I don't think that. Haha. <laughs> um, we, we don't have the drums, uh, the drums effect there. But no, I mean, it, it was definitely a cow pasture. I mean, they weren't growing corn there. I mean, they could have, but. Now that, yeah, we're both misremembering a lot of things. There were, uh, there were, there were, there, there were, were cows. There were cows. There were cows. At one point, one of the cows got really close to uh, Connie Britton, and you can see her, like, she's kind of acting and, like, trying to, you know, stay in character, but the cow gets really close to her. Uh, it was kind of funny. She kind of smiled and left it off, but. Do you think that would ever actually happen? Do or mean? do you think that UIL... In Texas, yes. That's just insane. I think... Well... Can we also talk about... Sorry, go, go continue. I don't know. I mean, the hardest part, the most unbelievable part of that whole storyline is the fact that a high school football team built a field that looked that good before I mean, the rain in like a day. Like, that's not... Like, there's no way that they were able to measure everything out correctly. 
probably not but i mean when it did rain yeah that field was gone also there should have been like a neutral site that they could have gone to right i mean they tried to but they well, couldn't but find a, like a good one that fit Dil- like that was close enough to dylan there's like 95 there 95 is a, a dumb number that i just thought there's a a um what am i trying to say a infinite amount of high school football stadiums in texas they tried one i will say this you would think the high school is on lockdown yes high yeah. school yeah does their middle school not have their own football field yeah i mean so this is kind of a pointless discussion for the show because they just wanted to play the mud bowl i mean it's fun it's, it's just a fun shot for the mud bowl but it, in real life they probably have more options it does bring up and i know we're kind of straying from the first down topic but i do want to bring this up because i think this is important for eric taylor i think it's super interesting how he goes from being upset about everyone's I guess unappreciative approach to football because he goes on this long speech about how you know like this is for the love of the game this is for you know the purity of the sport you know just playing out on this cow pasture and then he visits TMU and goes home to Tammy and says man that stadium was unbelievable yeah I mean it's he really got sucked in by the pageantry of the college game. Big stadiums are kind of cool, Eric. It's also, it's like, yeah, I mean, the Texas State Stadium is probably not that big. The I mean, revamp. I, I, know, I, I understand, yeah, you know, they added it in, but this is still a, a G5 program, I think we're supposed to believe, right? I mean, yeah, it's Division it's a, One. It's but, a mid-major. Yeah. And Matt Saracen even talked about, you know, he's – just going to go be a quarterback coach and stand on the sideline you know he's not even going to be a head coach matt was a little bitter about it yeah but, but you you got to work your way up and yeah of course no matt just doesn't i mean a teenager we're dealing with, with horny and selfish teenagers here I and mean, that's the whole <laughs> crux of the entire show everyone's either horny or selfish on this entire show it's amazing the the roller coaster we go on with this because there's so many ways you could defend each person as yeah. far as tammy julie matt eric for eric that's his dream and he wants to move yeah. up the coaching ranks and taking a quarterback coach position at a mid-major college is a good stepping stone to getting to where you want to be yeah he's relatively young he's mid-30s right yeah probably i mean i don't know mid 30 I, mean, I guess yeah they'd maybe, prob- like, maybe he's probably like 37 they they would have had to had like julie like during their college ages well she's 15 yeah and yeah, so yeah, I bet, I bet he's like 37, 38. So they had, they definitely had Julie when they were like in their 20s. Yeah. But that aside, I do think that there's a lot of fairness to what Tammy brings to the table as far as like, I finally found a job where I feel like I have a purpose. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a coach's wife and that's great and I support you and I yeah. love you. But at the same time, I have found a purpose at this school district and I want to keep pursuing it. Yep. Yeah. And to be honest, I know it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's not great. The, the way that the two of them are both trying to basically force each other's hands by we're staying in Dylan yeah, or like Tammy basically saying like, I'm staying in Dylan. Yeah. Um, well, there was that first scene where Tammy was like, I want to consider this. And yeah. Eric's like, uh, no, absolutely not. I just thought about it, you know, no. And then Tammy immediately is like, this is absolutely happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Tammy eventually wins out, of course. Um, Gotta love Tim. I was going to say, I just, even after Eric flipped back 
180 degrees the other way. It's not super far fetched though, because I do know that a lot of coaches kids go through this, especially kids of college coaches that go through this deal where their dad and will, you know, take a position and they will be left in that city that they're already in and they can't, they can't necessarily move with them quite yet. Yeah. I mean, I remember, so in high school at at Jinx, there was a, this kid that was the son of uh, an assistant at Tulsa and he essentially hated football. It's kind of a byproduct of like moving around so much. It was kind of sad. Um, But I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, not saying like the family dynamic was off or anything, but just like, I mean, Julie kind of hates football. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that's kind of a common, I mean, you're either you go a hundred percent into it and you're a, you become a, a coach just like, you know, dad did, or you go completely the opposite direction. It seems like, yeah, I don't know. That's a very big generalization (laughs) and off topic, but it's kind of wild. And I, I want to take this, I want to try to go through every one of the four people involved in this is perspective it's kind of a crap deal for matt who literally has gone through the emotional probably torment of feeling like a i'm earlier in the season i'm moving to oklahoma and totally even forgot about that and then it gets resolved His, his dad's just like yeah i gotta go back over uh so so much happened to matt in this and then like the span of 15 weeks yeah and like then he has the thing with the rally girls and the calendar photo shoot. Yep. And he loses Julie for a little bit. Yep. Gets her back. Yep. And now this is just like, I can't win. I can't keep, I can't like, that's just a lot. He's gotten a break. The last few episodes, his grandma hasn't had any dementia outbreaks. And you can kind of see it and hear it in his voice. When coach Taylor approaches him on the way to the game, he's just like, you know, I want to talk to you. And Matt's just like, I just, want to focus on football yeah matt was like too bitter to to really talk about it i think and i think at the same time though it's just like football is the one thing that i can control yeah and you know if i fail i fail but at the same time it's the one thing i have a good grasp on and that's not going to go away yeah uh what do you think of coach taylor's decision i mean tammy literally wakes him up for wakes him up at 4 a.m and is like whatever you do don't commit to tmu today and literally he does that thing yeah not a not a high moment for our boy i guess you kind of have to yeah i I mean i mean you have to because you can always back out yeah these coaching things i don't know how i don't know the i guess etiquette with them because most of the time you can just tell a staff and i think he'd already kind of told the staff like i need time to think about it yeah but i do think that eric maybe jumped the gun as far as not looping Tammy in that I'm going to accept it. It's like, I'm going to phone call. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like she didn't re- she didn't even, even in 2005, like they have phones, they have cell phones. Yeah. And, but like, she didn't know how the meeting went until he got home. Like he didn't, you didn't want to call home, you know, you didn't want to call him. He's so enamored by that stadium. I, I, I don't know. It seems and then the weight room and it, it's weird that they that he flew there, right? I mean, it's only no, it was a car. I uh, thought he had a flight. I thought he had to catch a flight. No, I think I think they like got him a car. We should do our research next time. I don't. Know. I thought I thought it was a flight, but maybe not. I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, TMU, yeah, they kind of won him over. He 
felt boxed in and I guess figured I can back out. And I don't, he, he I don't kinda he, I don't think he felt boxed in. I think this that was what he was gonna do all along. Well, but he was gonna say and he said I need more time. Like he was gonna yeah. walk out of there fifty fifty as far as team you knew. I suppose. I just feel at the same time like Yeah. We the way he gleefully talks about we don't get this a lot from Eric. The way he talked about TMU was just like like a little kid. Yeah. Talking about a candy store. Yeah. And he was very in love with it. And I think this like I mean, it's a lifelong dream. Yeah. Um, although he does say a very like when he tells Tammy after she tells him that he's or that she's pregnant, um, that he's not gonna take the TMU job. He's going to stay with her and raise their their uh, their newborn. Yeah. And he says, uh, you're my dream. Yeah. And I thought that was a very cute thing. Yeah. I mean, and again, Tammy gets, you know, I say she gets, when I say like Tammy gets what she wants, I'm not being critical, just more of like an observation in terms of he tries to go, he tries to flip at 180 degrees and Tammy again says, no, you're like, you're going to follow your dream. I don't want this baby or this family to... You know, I don't want you to be spiteful towards them. But, like, he probably would get another opportunity at some point. But I guess in a coaching circle, if you – I think if he would have turned TMU down from the very beginning, then he definitely – he gets a call, like, the next year. But he can't really back out after yeah. you've taken it. I don't know. Um, do you think it was odd that he chose to answer the reporter's question at their media day that, like, yeah. yes, I'm taking the job? In real life, that's just like a straight no, right? I mean... You just say, there's no, prob- I haven't. Yeah, there's a coach speak answer for that. Yeah. Also, at the same time, like that reporter, I don't feel like any reporter would actually do that, like, answer my question. It so, felt... Yeah. Like, I don't feel like any report... Like, if we... They've if, done a really bad job of, like... We're, I mean, portraying we're, the media. we're sports media, so we're a little bit biased in that well, favor, but, like... We could have consulted. They could have had us on they, set. There could have been... Maybe not at the time, but... I don't know. The 2005 <laughs> equivalent of... I mean, I was 11. <laughs> maybe I wouldn't have... I, I probably wouldn't have had as many... Uh, I'd have been like, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> some, as many media etiquette takes. But, yeah, no. The way that they've portrayed journalists on the show is just wrong. Like sharks? Yeah, it's like all wearing suits and stuff and yeah let me tell you people journalists do not dress that well never i mean i've seen i mean people college football journalists will wear suits to like the college football playoff big games or if like national reporters even like small but every game that a national reporter goes to is a big game right i mean pretty much they also have to do like tv hits yes yeah that's or yeah but but also just you know Keep it, like Jake Trotter always dressed very well to OU games, yeah. and George Schroeder always dresses well. Um, it's just so strange the timing of announcing it, and then he tells that obviously the team finds out, and they're heartbroken over it. Yeah, I and mean, we'll, I was gonna say we'll get more into the game a little bit later. I mean, should he have? It was weird that like there was no even whisper of this happening before he had to answer that question. Yeah, it, it, it is. Is that how odd. news broke before Twitter? How like, how tight-lipped it was? Yeah. At the same time, I think Eric probably saves him a little bit of trouble, and maybe the players are still pretty upset, but I think he saves himself a lot of trouble by telling the team as quickly as possible. Yeah. And, like, I want you to hear this from me, and maybe they're more supportive. Like, yeah. I mean, I think that they are kind of supportive because Eric makes kind of a speech about how this is my dream. I know you guys have goals and aspirations. Um, I do, too. And yeah, he does too. And yeah. everyone does. But this meets my 
kind of agenda. That speech did not go that well. No. There's a lot of, I think, miscues on Eric's part. As as much as I think we prop him up, not as a perfect character, but we do hold him in higher regard. Yeah. And it's not the most well-executed he's been. No, I mean, he, he's under a lot of pressure here. Uh, you know, he's got the big game. He's got, you know, Julie's giving him a hard time. Tammy wants to do what she wants to do. And he's probably feeling pulled in a bunch of different directions. And he's still got Buddy Garrity paying his players uh, that he's got to worry about, too. That's an amazing thing that I completely forgot about until you mentioned it was the little check that was left in or it was cash. Sure, it was, it was cash. Just cash yeah. I was say, uh, my favorite part of that is when coach Taylor was like, anyone else find any money? Like he outed Saracen as the tattletale and was like, anyone else get money? Everyone, you know, nobody raised it. He's like, that must piss you off smash. that You didn't get paid. <laughs> like Matt Saracen got paid and you didn't smash. How do you feel about that? <laughs> smash definitely got a little bit of a, under the table. Of course. And Buddy Garrity should definitely know not to pay Matt Saracen because Matt Saracen's going to tell the coach. It's amazing. And I know that like Smash doesn't have like a working relationship really with Buddy or Lila. It's amazing he didn't go to Buddy and was like, yo, I need some steroid money. <laughs> I feel like Buddy Garrity would have, I think he would have fronted that money in a heartbeat. I, it's funny. I mean, so we get we do get that scene where Lila's like, Smash, you've literally never talked to me before. I've been cheering in your games for years. We've never spoken uh, whenever Smash is talking to Lila yeah. about Waverly. And I think it's, I, I don't know, it was an interesting character moment for, for Smash for me just because I think he never shot his shot with Lila because she was with Street. And he was just like, I can't do that to my quarterback. You I don't know. Who, you know who can do it to their quarterback? <laughs> Tim Riggins. Yeah. Can also do it to Bo Miller. Oh man, <laughs> poor Bo. Teach him how to fight, but uh, uh, we were we we've strayed away from uh, off the rails. Straight I mean, away from from first down. But although first down's just about over, right? I was going to say, do you have any parting thoughts on this? Um, I mean, I, I I'm getting a bad feeling that we've missed some some pieces in between here. I mean, we're, again, we're covering all we're covering four episodes today, so there's a lot. And there may be some small things that we missed, but I think that that's pretty much, you know, we hit all the high points as far as this tug of war between, you know, we probably didn't talk about how much Julie whined enough. Julie whined a lot. Um, and Coach Taylor and Tammy both kind of got mad at her for it. I thought it was interesting that Tammy never, like, even as Tammy was new in her heart, like, I'm definitely staying in Dylan. Like, they never wanted to tell Julie that. Yeah. Like she never was like, cause she knew if she told Julie that, that the fight was over, like they definitely couldn't go back on that. And she wanted to get Eric to agree to it first, I guess. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, Julie, I feel like we got an episode and a half where Julie was just whining and moaning about having to move again. It's like, is he going to take the job? Is he not? I can't believe he take it. I don't want to be away from Matt. Yada, yada. And that whole time, Tammy knew that none of that was ever going to have to happen. <laughs> I think she just wanted confirmation that it was going to happen. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think there was doubt in her mind that I might not win this fight. I don't know, man. I mean, after the there, I mean, she was after she well, she gives that speech at the Panther Roast, which we will talk about uh, later on. <laughs> what a speech! <laughs> not as good as Riggins' speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, no, she gives that speech where it's, you know, it's very sweet and yada, yada, you know, very wholesome. And then they have that moment where she's like, are we done? You know, they agree that they're done fighting. And she's like, I'm not moving, you know. And this is also after um situation with Tyra, which we'll talk about. That's going to be third down where I think is kind of what instigates Tammy realizing how much she can't leave Dylan and it's um, needed in Dylan. Yeah. I mean, she Dylan would fall apart without Tammy. Yeah. Dylan, those kids need Tammy way more than they need coach Taylor. That's the irony of it. Right. I mean, I don't know, man, who else is going to mismanage the fourth quarter? Like Eric Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got Mac McGill. He's, he is Dylan. He is Dylan Panther football. He just going to step in and be that guy. Mac right? McGill just likes watching TV in Eric's office and eating pork rinds. <laughs> Oh my gosh! The other assistant coaches that we've we've never heard of. Uh, I don't even remember who takes over for Eric. Is it Mac? No, but you'll um, find out soon. I feel like I remember Mac ending up at a rival school at some point. No, no, not per se. You'll find out. We, Isn't it the other Dylan, like want, Dylan West or whatever? Okay, you're you're getting way too ahead. You're <laughs> you're spoiling a lot for people. People, uh, if you're listening to a Friday Night Lights podcast and you have not watched the show all the way through, I would be. Amazed. I don't think we're spoiling anything. I'm just saying. I'm just, and also, these are not like major plot points. They're just okay. <laughs> all right, right. I mean, do you want to get in a second down? Well, yeah, I mean, do, so second down was going to be Jason Street. Do you want to go with that, or you want to just roll right in with Tyra Landry? While we're on, the, I mean, we just mentioned Tyra, so yeah. I do feel like I'm kind of thinking about her. Not a, just Tyra. A tough episode. It's a very tough episode, and it's a very, once again, Friday Lights does not hold any punches when it comes God, to wait. touching on hard, hard subjects. This show would not get made on NBC right today. Mm, Absolutely. Not on NBC. Netflix would definitely be like, yes, we will take this. And it would be so much more explicit, but because you could say the F word, um, which I have it somewhere in my notes. There was a big, oh, whenever uh, Lila walks up to the car and sees Jason and Susie just kind of chilling in the car and she yells, screw you. Yeah. Probably should have just paid the FCC fine and said, said the F word. Yeah, that's a that wasn't a great acting moment from no from Mink, Lila. Mika Kelly is has not had like a super great career post Friday Night Lights. She was kind of created in a lab to play Lila Garrity, but it's fair. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but Tyra, Tyra, and this all kind of starts with this budding relationship between Tyra and our boy Landry Clark. Landry really does a pretty good job of flirting i don't think he does i don't understand i uh, there's a couple of scenes where he does a good job well no i'm saying like they were like he the, like he got the job done as far as like flirting and getting her attention yeah and i just sat there the entire time thinking this execution's terrible how is he pulling this off i didn't, i thought it was pretty good i don't know i don't know when he like started bringing up riggins to her at the oh with the panther roast yeah I was oh just, i'm uh, not talking about that well, I was just like, that doesn't seem good, but it seemed to be working for him. Well, so I think that works because he eventually got to his point, which is Tyra, like, expect more from the people that you hang out with. Like, from the boyfriend, you know, from the people you try to date, you should expect more from them. Like, whether or not it's me. I would like it to be me, but if it's not me, like... Yeah. It, it shouldn't be Tim. It just felt like his tone was very attacking. Like, it, it very much was. But also, just, I think Tyra needed to hear it. 
Yeah, I guess Tyra is very mature enough to where she can separate the two. Tyra is the most mature person on this entire show. Adult, I mean, I guess Tammy maybe more so, but like, it's it's one A one B. Even you know, you know what Connie Britton's like weak. Like I was gonna say weak point, but her weaknesses. What's up? Is yelling at Julie. I can never take her seriously when she's yelling at Julie. What do you mean? Like in what? Like just like her as an like, actress, like the yeah, performance as an actress. Like I, I think she does a terrible job of like. I just think that's. I mean, we. You don't, come over here, girl. I just, just think, like we can get Paige in here to talk about this. Maybe so. I don't know, like a mother daughter thing. I feel you know. It just. I don't know. We we have avoided talking about Tyra um, a lot in this down. <laughs> well, um, I mean, we have to start it with. It starts with Landry. Landry Who's been trying? Who's been trying all season to get close to Tyra? Yeah, he's been pursuing her for nineteen episodes, and we he finally makes progress. So congrats to Landry, and he does it through a way that only Landry can by tutoring her, trying to tutor. Well, we 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 skipped a step. I mean, there's there's also just this toxic situation where her mom is like trying to sabotage the fact that she's studying yeah um you know landry and tammy are really trying remember we left off tammy made tyra her new project academically yeah that's true tammy did kind of ignite tyra's interested in academics and it would be would be remiss not to mention the fact that you know like you said her mother definitely doesn't want her to like no. be so focused on it she like literally came over to the taylor household to pull her out of their house yeah to keep her from studying as if like the taylor house is like some type of yeah. bad place that she doesn't need I, to be i mean she pl- she plays it off as like and not plays it off she comes out and says you know we can't afford college anyway i don't want you getting your hopes up but I mean, I think subconsciously, like, her mom is probably just trying to make sure, not that, like, she doesn't surpass her, because that's very dark and evil, but, like, once doesn't want to feel bad about her own life in some ways. I think that it's more so that Angela Collette does not want Tyra to leave Dylan. That is an extension of, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's not so much that she would be jealous of Tyra. I think she wants her to be close just as much as her, her sister is. Um, we don't really see Angela hanging out with her sister much. Yeah. Or Tyra's sister. Yeah. I don't even, what's her name? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> and she's such a big character in the, the coming seasons. There is, uh, I mean, there's the scene where Landry goes to pick up Tyra from the game and he said, he says her name is it. How's the stripping going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a tough, tough sequence there for Landry thinking he's going to be in a car oh with uh, Tyra for four hours alone and ends up with not only the Colette family, but Lorraine Saracen Got and, the booze, Tyra. <laughs> and Lila Garrity, the craziest pairing of people. Okay, the Lila thing is, is completely Landry's fault. Uh, but it does give no, us... No, it's the right thing to do. Yes, but it's still his fault. I mean, nobody else in that car wanted him to stop. Also, is it not amazing they never address Lila's destruction of, I was going to bring that up. ...of Garrity Motors? He, Sorry. She completely... I, th- I thought she was, like, drunk whenever she did that because, like, the way that her head was, like... I think she was just so overcome with 
sadness that she's just like yeah. moving, you know, and maybe just the, I'm sure she has whiplash from hitting some of the cars, but yeah, that never comes up again. And it's like, yeah, she just crashed a bunch of cars. It feels like there should have at least been a scene where Buddy's like, why? Why? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why? I don't know. But that, the why? scene where she returns Buddy's car after she finds out that Buddy is not just a one-time adulterer. Lila turns super quick. Yeah, on on her father. Once she finds finds out about the secretary situation, Buddy is like dead to her. Yeah, which ultimately is why she ends up on the side of the road and in an incredible shouting match with Tyra. Yeah, um, get the car, Garrity. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's incredible. But you know we're kind of. Sc- skipping around the the elephant in the room as far as the how the, do we how do we even talk about this well as we mentioned a lot of hard subjects on this show and sexual assault coming up as one of them is you know the way they handle it and whatnot is you know tyra has to fight out this guy that she meets at a or not even meets but she's just waiting at a restaurant minding for, her own business or landry minding her own business and yeah and this landry is, gets a date this and is this car doesn't start so he's late yeah this is all happening during the mud bowl um yeah which i don't know if i particularly like the choice of like splicing in this like super heavy scene weird yeah the way that they edited it together where it's like 30 seconds of football 30 seconds of tyra getting attacked yeah i was not crying in landry's arms i it was a weird choice i was not a fan of it Um, i guess they wanted to show that it was happening at the same time i think there's a different way to go about it yeah it's like i i don't understand the artistic choice there the editors make a lot of weird artistic choices but like how is it even it doesn't even make sense as an artistic choice because like there's no point like it's not like they're showing every character except for Landry and Tyra like there's still other characters that we don't see what they're doing during the mud bowl yeah um but just overall this is such a hard thing to watch and you go through the progressions of seeing Tyra not wanting to talk about it and Landry being very proactive and wanting to yeah. get her to report it and Tammy getting involved and Tyra obviously being very upset that Landry would, I guess, betray her trust. Yeah, but he had to, right? I mean, this is... I think it's always... I mean, he, you have to tell an adult. I would imagine as a teenager, like, living with that would be very difficult. Like, At the same time, though, I'm always just about, like, the victim... Like yeah. of uh, sexual assault should always be the first one to to make that choice to come forward. As far as I mean, yeah. reporting it to police and as yeah. far as telling other people. But um, I do think overall, like Tyra and Landry, I'm not uh, you know obviously by no means move past that. That's a traumatic experience sure. that Tyra is going to be dealing with. But at the same time, she and her or like her and Landry you know, get closer through the situation because Landry is there for her. And, um, yeah. And that's part of the thing that is kind of, um, interesting about this whole plot line between the two of them is just Landry is something that Tyra doesn't necessarily have. And like, even though he's not necessarily her romantic interest at this point, yeah. Um, he's definitely 
emotionally there for her and emotionally invested in her. And you know, that's, that is what Tyra needs. If Landry was even an ounce more selfish, he would have never reported this. He like, he would have never told Tammy because he would have thought, Oh, this will ruin my chances with Tyra forever. If I betray her trust, but ultimately he decides to put her mental health over any yeah. chance that he would have. And it's not like Tammy went straight to the police or anything like that. Like well, she Tammy basically made her go straight to the police, right? I mean, uh, I think Tammy and Tyra have a pretty good understanding of each other. And I think that Tammy, like being the voice of reason for Tyra, once again, yeah. she's just, Tyra does not have these figures, has not had these figures in her life because yeah. for whatever reason, but just like, she's obviously very much more open to, Landry's companionship and Tammy's almost mentorship just as far as teaching like like helping her navigate through life showing her that she can be you know a strong woman and can reach her goals and not be confined to this small town even though everyone tells her that's all she'll ever be so we kind of a weird choice to have Landry in the car whenever when Tammy goes to Tyra's house Yes. I, I I don't know. Strange. I, strange choice. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's... I mean, because her mom is still there. Like, so she still has... She does still have a mother figure there. But, like, yeah, I mean, Tammy is kind of like the clean version of the mother figure that, you know, like, she kind of is able to see these two paths that she could follow. I mean, she could do what her mom did, stay in Dylan forever, or she could do what Tammy did. And, I mean, Tammy's literally in the same spot that her mom is but that could be moving to austin and you just it's just a different trajectory but i think for tammy as a whole she's all about helping kids find their purpose and helping everyone find their purpose yeah and i think that that tyra while she doesn't have necessarily super toxic of a relationship with angela collette it's not like angela does necessarily I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not like misremembering anything or not or forgetting something, but not that she puts Tyra in bad spots, but at the same time as a mother, it's not like she's pushing Tyra to go for her goals. Yeah, and I mean, she kind of, I mean, she wanted to bring Bob back. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that I thought of when I was saying that I was just like, I mean, that was obviously you're putting your kids and your family, your home, you're putting that all at risk all for this guy that yes, provides some financial support to you, but is very toxic and very bad for the family and unhealthy for not only your kids, but yourself. And I love the role that Tammy plays in a lot of people's lives as far as showing them, I guess through what she's been able to see. And I feel like it's, kind of goes back to the whole fact that she's finally found her calling and she wants other people. She wants to give the people, I feel like she wants to give others that feeling that she has gotten through this whole experience. And just like, you need to latch on to this thing and you need to chase it because it's a good feeling. Do not be bottled up. Yeah. And I guess be within yourself as far as not trying to explore how far you can go. Yeah. I wish we would have seen the scene where, Tammy was like, you have to go to the police. Yeah. Because we only see Tyra says it's not a big deal. And Tammy says it is a big deal. And the next time we see them, you know, is it the police department with 
the detective. I, did you watch or have you seen any of the show Unbelievable on Netflix? I have not. Just came out a few weeks ago. I've only seen one episode. Super dark. Uh, really can't. I mean, it's basically it's from what I've seen is this woman was raped and it's basically just her answering questions and having pictures taken of her like for hours and hours after the assault. It's like, this is what happens to a victim. Uh, yeah. And it's, I mean, we kind of see a little bit of that with like the detective asking Tyra the same question over and over again. And she finally loses like, and they have to go take pictures. And it's like, it's like, man, you wonder, you know, so I, I don't know that the police could do anything better. I and mean, maybe they could, it's not for me to say, but like, you can see why some people don't come forward, I guess, or don't yeah. want to go through with everything. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a daunting process for sure. And you're putting this very traumatic thing out there. Yeah. And the police obviously don't always, aren't the always most like sympathetic people. Like there's not a bunch of police officers that have the same temperament of like Tammy Taylor. Yeah. So that also doesn't help, but this is a, I mean, this is, just a, it's such a hard thing to watch but at the same time as she tries to figure out how do i move past this um you know you you see that strong-willed person that's inside tyra kind of bl- you know blossom even a little bit more yeah even though and she has even more growing moments i think in this episode with I think her and Lila just needed to yell at each other on the side of the highway. And she needed to realize that Lila had gotten cheated on too, basically. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of, I think Riggins and Tyra were far more broken up than Lila and Jason were when Jason cheated on Lila. But yeah, but overall, I mean, it's, you're getting, you're, you're seeing by the end of this arc. Remember when Tyra like tried to hook up a smash on his couch? That was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was, it was strange days. It was long. I don't know why they included that. I mean, honestly, there were a lot of smash plot lines that if there's this actually was a, a little bit of a payoff to that scene, go ahead and then I'll, well, no, I was going to say like, if this was a 12 episode for a season, there's so oh, much of yeah. smashes plot line that gets cut. Steroids. Yeah. Everything. Yes. A lot of it gets cut pretty much. Maybe the only thing we see from smash is like, his relationship with Waverly and him going back to his hometown are probably like the only things that make the cut. Which I, I mean, I love the, and we'll touch a little bit more on Waverly and smash and extra points. Um, but overall there's a lot you can do with smash that yeah. doesn't need to be done. Um, we did get some payoff though, from that scene with smash and Tyra hooking up. Remember when their tires walking out to the car and t- smashes mom is I yeah. work at pa- I work at Planned Parenthood I'll be seeing you soon. Guess who we see at Planned Parenthood whenever t- uh, Tammy thinks she's pregnant. <laughs> smashes mom. I love it. Just cuts it gets gets Tammy to cut in line real quick. It's a great scene. I mean, it's the like how pregnant do you want to be cuz you're super pregnant. <laughs> you're extremely pregnant. Yeah, you're extremely pregnant is yeah. is an amazing line. Yeah. That classic um man time for third down yeah i think so i mean last thing we see you know there's the smelly pathetic geek uh you know fight scene but then they kind of land and tyra make up at the roast and then they go to um, state together i'm sorry i mean then i mean they like they make up they go yeah, to they state. make up yeah and then yeah they go to state together um one more actually i do have one more thought about yeah. this 
Um, Tyra gets tickets to the state championship from Tim, who gave away his tickets to uh, Jackie and Bo Miller. Her name's Jackie. Okay, I, I, neighbor lady is written like fifteen times. Neighbor lady, but I am just a little bit not offended, but. She complains about the seats that she got, and I understand that like it's upper deck, and some people view the upper deck as no matter where you are, it's bad. If you front are row, front yeah. row, it's upper pretty deck, good, yeah. That is where I always want to be at football games. Yeah, I totally agree. I was. It's funny. I would when growing up, I would always say, you know, like I want to sit, at, you know, at OU games or something like the the really tall deck. You know, what I'm talking about, I, you know, sitting front row, and that's basically like the coaches view yeah. you know what they get it's like it's basically our press box seats yeah basically press box seats yeah um you got no one in front of you i, I do think it was like they kind of show i think they were trying to show like maybe their view is obstructed by some of the uh the railing maybe i, I just felt like those were really good seats they were great seats yeah i mean they're not they're not 50 yard line but you can see, I mean, I from guess front row Tyra maybe. probably doesn't care about seeing the all 22. <laughs> like she's probably not like super <laughs> invested. Like, Oh, I can see the, the play forming. I, I like how coach Taylor, whenever they did their walkthrough was like every seat in the stadium is going to be filled tomorrow. And like only the lower bowl had people in it. Like they, I guess they couldn't get enough extras in there. I don't know. I feel like that's realistic is the thing. No, It's realistic, but like he was just wrong. I don't know. I think he was just trying to hype up his boys. Yeah. But it was, yeah. Anyway, third down um was there anything else i think we covered covered all the good stuff i mean we leave in a good place i think with tyra and landry oh i want to bring up where when uh landry at the roast is kind of pouring his heart out to tyra and talking bad about tim he refers to tim his his speech as a cute but tragic texas forever routine <laughs> which i guess people know about his texas forever saying i i guess i don't i mean landry spent a lot of time with tim that's fair and that was his selling point for him letting uh uh tyra or you know for tyra letting him tutor her he's like did, did your tutor teach tim riggins how to read in a day and a half because <laughs> i did and i'm really good at math i don't know um it was really good i i think third down yeah i i think we're here for third down and it is Jason Street. Um, just some wild peaks and valleys here with the street in this four episode block. I mean, we've already touched on the the the, the, the biggest valley of them all, but with is it? Lila. Well, I, I could argue he cares more about this Olympic spot that he loses out uh, to open up episode nineteen. He's very upset. He's very upset. He really thought that he was going to make this Olympic team after like three weeks of playing wheelchair rugby. Quick question. Alyssa brought this up. Yeah. Do you feel like over the matter of like two months or three months, I guess after being paralyzed that Jason would be physically able to participate in quad rugby? No, this is like a, a Hollywood got to speed this up thing. Cause I mean, they talked about, it was like, you know, midway through the season, they were like, you know, they let him come watch a practice, but they wouldn't let him play because his spine wasn't healed yet. And then, like a couple weeks later, he was the best player like, out there or something. I don't know. Do you, did Herc make the national team? Is um, that a thing that happened? I think so. But I mean, I, <laughs> Herc doesn't strike. I mean, I, I don't know that we were led to believe he was that a track Herc athlete. Was, like this, he was a star track athlete. Yeah, I, that's not what I meant. But just like 
Like in any wheelchair rugby scenes, like Herc was never dominating. True. I don't know. Well, I don't know that maybe there's some stuff that doesn't show up in the box score for quad rugby that we don't know about. You're there. There's a hundred percent chance that there's stuff that we don't know about. Well, I was going to say before I, this thought leaves my brain, this feels like a plot line that would have been really good for season two. Like if they would have just held on yeah. to this and left it for season two and like, okay, let's really explore it. Like, let's get more into Jason. And I know you kind of need it. And one thing, I mean, I don't really even thought we don't even think we talked about in prepping for the show today was the fact that we finally get like a, we get resolution to a Jason and quad rugby, but we also get resolution to the lawsuit between the Taylors and the streets. Yep. I mean, uh, Lila pretty much tells him like, settle this case so that you feel better. And he walks in there and he settled the case. He was like, what like, how much money are we arguing over here? He's like, let me write a number down. This will pay off the debt, save the house. And everyone's cool with it. Um, the streets probably could have gotten more money if they had tried harder, but it's a good thing for street that they didn't because you know, the timing of everything, he ends up getting to be an assistant coach by the end of this episode. Yeah. The whole, or not the end of that episode, but the yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I think that he has it out of his life because it's just, it was something that was hanging over his head and I felt like he felt exiled basically from Dylan football, which was yeah. a part of his identity before quad rugby kind of came yeah. into the picture. But his whole, I do like, and I, if there's one thing I do really wish if, if there's anything that we could have maybe used Jason for more in season one is being almost a big brother to Matt Saracen. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, we really missed out a lot on his coaching ability. Um, we get this, um, I don't know if I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here or not. I guess, but we can jump around. Street Smash, Saracen, and Riggins are all out hanging out on the football field, and just drinking beer on yeah, the football field. Yeah, just drinking field. beer, and Matt's freaking out about you know goody tissues, whatever. And um, this is kind of where Street finds his coaching voice and gives this great monologue. Like, if you hit the slant, you hit the post, they will respect you. But if you hit this out pattern, this 18 yard out, they will fear you. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just a really, really good line. Um, and it is immediately clear at that point, even though it's not immediately clear to Jason yet that he's going to transition into being a coach. Yeah. I think, I mean, I mean, he, and he, he does such a good job of coaching at Maddie and trying to let him see what he sees. And I love, I really like their dynamic and he, the, the, it's kind of fun to get Jason in somewhat of a comedic relief role because that's what he is sometimes when like him in the, in T- Eric Taylor's office, when they bring in Matt, um, not a damn Laurel. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's good to see though. Cause I do feel like of all the characters, Jason before he was paralyzed was very straight and narrow and just very kind of clean cut kid. Yeah. And then afterward he's obviously going through a lot. So it's understandable, but it's just like very depressed and very kind of lashes out at people. Of course. Yeah. Um, obviously takes a very good liking to Susie. Um, but, but yeah, um, I do like the dynamic there. Um, do you want to talk about Susie? Um, yes. I want to play the clip 
because uh, I just laughed at it so hard. I referenced it, the thing where he was like, where there's, there's the back-and-forth tag team between Coach Taylor and Matt Saracen, uh, or in Coach Taylor and um, Street. Street basically telling Matt there's no way he's ready. Yeah. And it's just like a thing. He's like, you can't rest in your laurels. You don't have any laurels. Not a damn laurel. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a funny clip. Uh, go ahead and play that here in case people uh, have forgot about that. I think it's a classic. Saracen, get your lazy ass in here. Let's go. Come on. Hurry up. I don't have much time. Big championship game. How you feeling? Good. I'm feeling good. Yeah, you think you're ready? Yeah. You think he's ready? I don't think he's ready. I'm not thinking you're ready either. I think that if he plays up in Dallas like he played last Friday night, they're going to eat him for breakfast. That's pretty much what I'm thinking. I think they're going to squash him. Pretty much like a bug. Like a flea, Saracen. So I don't want you resting on your laurels. You understand me? I don't have any laurels, Saracen. Not a damn laurel. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be working with Jason here. Okay. You're going to do everything Jason tells you to, and you're going to do it because Jason has my blessing. So if he tells you to jump off a cliff, I want you to jump off that cliff. So, yeah, I mean, I think the next, obviously, Street is essentially the quarterback coach. He's essentially what Coach Taylor is going to do at TMU now, I think. Um, you know, he yeah. gets to be on the sideline and everything. Um, and it's a good role for, for Jason to where he's not just like – the injured mascot necessarily that you know you could easily you know in, in a more exploitable situation could see dylan i you know i think that's kind of what he was afraid of whenever he first went to that game i think it was homecoming yeah whichever game it was that he first appeared at you know that's kind of what he was worried about and in this case you know he can go to games be a part of the community and actually really legitimately making a big difference which honestly once again it feels like all of this would have been a great season two plot line. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that we there's enough Jason throughout the season. Um, we you know we they could have you know you got to have some stuff for Jason to do. Um, but yeah, I mean the the losing out on the wheelchair rugby thing going into his co- turning into his coaching career could have been season two. You could have had more stuff with Lila. Could have had more just funny scenes with her because he's getting through this stuff. Um, you also could have maybe save Susie for season two or had him meet Susie some other way. Such a strange Susie way. Susie could have been like a his nurse nurse or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably a bad trope. Um, I mean, been, that would have been lazy. But I also don't know why. They do explore that trope with Matt Sayers. <laughs> God. <laughs> You'll see. I, You'll no, see. I remember that's an even worse no, trope. I'm just um, talking about the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, You'll all see. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, Susie, a really good. I mean, uh, oh, I was gonna say there was that. Um, how did they? How did he run into her in Dillon? Like I thought she lived in Austin. No, she's just in Dillon working. Apparently, her sister lives near Dillon, and she got a ticket in Dillon. And oh, so she had to go pay. But like, it seemed like he knew she was gonna be there. No, I think there's just kind of a coincidence. What a coincidence, man. <laughs> Susie was after street, <laughs> which who could blame her? He's a beautiful, beautiful young man. Although I also think that, I mean, I guess he's a senior in high school, so it's feasible that he's 18. She is at least in her twenties. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. I know we talked about this. It doesn't really mean anything to you. Uh, cause you don't watch friends, but the yeah. actress who plays Susie plays the, uh, I believe her name is Elizabeth on friends which is a college student that Ross dates for like five episodes. My God. Yeah. Paige was like, who do I know her from? And I was like, I literally read through her entire IMDb page and it's like nothing, 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 nothing. And then like, 
even before, I think it was even before Friday Night Lights that she was on Friends. Um, very different. Timing would make sense. Very different um, appearance on Friends. She's very much like a preppy college girl on Friends. And in here, she's like a. Kind of leans the role. Like an emo. It's not emo. Not emo, but like. Kind of. I mean, I mean not emo, but like, like an edgy, you know, tattoo artist. Very different from. I what think she edgy is probably the better word. Yeah, I didn't. I, I hope I didn't. Am I canceled in the emo? I don't do you want to go back on that? I don't even know what an emo means. I mean, do you, do you want to? No, roll, I would leave it back. in. It's it's fine. I, I don't think I'm going to offend. It's fine. Offend our five I, listeners. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody's offended, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. She's edgy. She's yeah, edgy. She's got, I mean, the character on Friends is not edgy. That's what I was trying to say. Anyway, very straight laced. Uh, yeah, Susie, home homewrecker for sure. Um, not great. Is she a homewrecker? I mean, I think a lot of this is why, on Jason. she's in a car while another girl throws her. I'm okay, engagement she, ring at her. I say this, <laughs> and I'm. I, I say this because I don't think. I don't think Susie should be the one necessarily taking the brunt of this. Yeah. I think it's all on street. I agree. Street should have shut this down. When I say homewrecker, I don't mean it's all her fault. Make it sound like that. That's not, that's honestly not the connotation that I meant. But um, I, I mean, I just think that street let this happen and honestly provoked. I think their, their plans that night and then the kiss happens. Well, <laughs> We need to talk about their first kiss, which is a, a place that apparently exists called Stonehenge 2. What? Do you know this is a different scene? The the first kiss that they had after he helped her like with the refrigerator thing or whatever, they stopped off at Stonehenge 2. Do you not remember this scene? No. Stonehenge 2? Yeah. You know you know what Stonehenge Stonehenge is, right? I don't. It's um, Is it a movie? <coughs> no, Stonehenge is I'm showing Joe a picture of oh. it right now. It's like the, it's, I don't know what country it's in. I feel so bad. There, so like, it's a very famous monument. It's, um, and these blocks are like, you need to watch an ancient, the ancient aliens episode on it. A lot of people think that aliens put it here because it, these rocks are so old and have been there for so long that there's no way that like man could have put them there essentially. Yeah. Um, there is apparently a Stonehenge two that resides in, uh, Texas Hill Country. Um, it's an homage to the original Stonehenge Monument. Sorry, I, I just I didn't know. know the name of it. Now yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, Stonehenge is actually in... Um, e, oh, it's in England. It's in the United Kingdom. Nice. Um, I forget that they have multiple kisses. Yeah, the first that was the first one. The whole refrigerator thing. Yeah. And then... Yeah, the meetup. Yeah, and then they uh, then they meet at the wherever they, she. They basically go on a date. date. Yeah, they go on a date, um, and then they end up in front of his house after Lila found out that her parents were getting a divorce. I feel terrible for Lila. It's a really tough episode for Lila. She and doesn't really get any wins other than I guess she makes up with Tyra, which is like doesn't actually affect her life i feel like once we're done rewatching this i need to walk back a lot of my takes because i find myself liking julie a little bit more and maybe that changes in the coming seasons it's gonna i mean i 
I I like Julie more than you do. I think. Um, I think that's fair. I don't even remember a lot of Lila's later season plot lines, but I do remember some of Julie's, and it, it goes downhill for Julie. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty substantially. Do we have more thoughts on Jason? Speaking of homewrecker, um, Jesus. <laughs> um, any more thoughts on Jason? No, I mean, I, it seems like he's in position to be on the next offensive staff after Coach Taylor goes to team you. Looks, it looks that way. It looks good for Jason as far as of all of the. He's kind in of, a good place. We, well, oh, he makes up with Tim Riggins. That's the other thing we should talk about. Yeah, I was going to say we have a lot of loose ends that kind of finally. I think that the writers do a good job of tying up yeah. here in the in the season finale and I guess through these late episodes. But like. You know, Jason and Tim are on good terms. Jason has purpose again. And Lila, of, of, of all the people that things aren't going great, Lila is up there as far as just, you know, having a, having a lot of bad things happen to her at once. Yeah. But she seems to be taking it all in stride and trying to, you know, get, trying to work toward uh, moving past all of that. Everybody's on good terms except for the Garrities, right? I mean, yeah. I mean... Buddy, I mean, Buddy's the Panthers on, won state, so Buddy's probably super okay. It was so bizarre, and I don't know if it was true to character or or just lazy writing, but, like, Buddy just celebrating the Panther title like nothing was happening in his actual life. You got to kind of sad. You got to avoid reality. I, my thing is, like, if that's how you're going to have Buddy react, then don't have Buddy, like, underneath the bleachers comforting Lila after you know, the thing with Jason earlier in the season. Yeah. Like either he cares about Panther football above all else, or he cares about his family just this much more than Panther football. But like, like, I don't know, small inconsistency. I mean, it wasn't the state title game where while was under the bleachers. So <laughs> that's true. I don't, was that even a close game? I don't, I don't even remember. He's probably like, yeah, it's blowout. Um, bad football logic thing here that I just thought of. And I don't want to forget to say it. Cause I, I don't have it written down, but why, did Dylan like squeak into the playoffs and now all of a sudden they have the semifinal game at home? Yeah. It's a tough make, team. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't really compute. They should have thought that one out a little bit more. Could be like a district thing. I mean, maybe there were some upsets along the way. Cause like you can go, like I was going to say, I don't know how UIL works, but in Oklahoma, your first three games are non-district. And if you lose all three of those, you can still get like yeah. the first seed. If you go, go undefeated in your district. Yeah. But like, they still needed. They still squeaked in at the very end in district games. Some teams had to have lost. Yeah, you would think. But the team that they were facing is are these giants. You know that. You know they're going to squash them like a bug or whatever. I don't know. They had some injuries earlier in the season and they got healthy midway through. Uh, I don't know. I don't a lot know. of ways you could take it. It, it. It's it's a nitpick. There's no doubt. Picking nits. Um. I think that's it on street. Fourth down. I mean, we, we, yeah, I mean, it was good to see him. And I really did not expect or necessarily need him and Riggins to make up in this season. No, you could have left it. Yeah. It was but, funny how Tim had a fake ID. It's kind of like a French fry at the bottom of the bag. You don't really need it, but it's nice to have. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a nice loose end uh, for them to tie up. But uh, fourth down, this is going to be dedicated to um, the state championship game. And first for us to actually dedicate it down to a game. It's Well, it's not completely the game because we're including all the pageantry that goes along with it. Some of it we've already talked about. We've already talked about the Panther roast a little bit. By the way, 
excellent tradition. I really wish that this would have been a thing at my high school. Should be a thing in every high school. I mean, and I think we see why it's not because Tim Riggins, Timmy, Timothy. How about Matt Harrison sleeping with the coach's daughter? Very drunk. <laughs> Nobody laughs. laughs. It is. It is really like I love Dylan. <laughs> it is rough. <laughs> it is very rough. Uh, some of the jokes were funny. Buddy Garrity stealing a joke from Smash is poor form. How did he get it? I don't. I don't either. <laughs> I don't know how he stole that from him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think they, because he wasn't like walking by, was he? Maybe it's like they both thought the joke and like the joke is that maybe. verbatim though. I don't know. I was going to say like, maybe like. What was the joke? I don't don't remember. Matt Saracen was so shy. He had email in his plays. Yeah, he had email in his plays. No. Maybe it's like a realization of Smash. Like maybe me and Buddy aren't so different. I feel like Buddy was, uh, or not Buddy. I feel like Smash was probably telling everybody that joke all day long. Yeah, and it and got so around to Buddy. Probably just got back to Buddy somehow. Um, <laughs> Coach Taylor saying, "What can I say about Smash that he hasn't already said about himself?" It was a good roast. <laughs> I liked it. It was, it was a pretty good roast. Um, media day. We've also talked about. I mean, there's two media days that a lot of smart because there's like the Dylan media day, and then there is the uh, uh, what? What happened at the Dylan media day that was? Oh, that was when the. The train explosion. No, that wasn't the train explosion. What no. am I thinking of? Something happened at the Dylan Media Day. Uh, oh, I know. I, I, I've written it down here. Um, there's this scene where Jason is sitting there in his wheelchair talking to reporters, I guess as a coach. And he like is kind of glancing at Lila as he talks. Yeah. And I think it, I thought it was interesting that when I saw that, the first thing that popped into my head was um, Jason and Lila talking to reporters together at the preseason media day at the diner. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think just about kind that. of contrasting like how much has happened in that time. A lot. A lot. I mean, a lot has gone down between those two. He's talking to the media while he he cannot take his eyes off eyes off Lila, who. Has the car scene happened at this point? This is the beginning of episode 22. Yeah, it's happened. I believe. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, the screw you thing happened at the end of 21. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're def- their engagement is definitely off. Um, yeah, just an interesting juxtaposition to see, you know, over the last 15 or so weeks, like so much has happened in these people's lives. And this is kind of where they're ending up. Very sad, but at the same time, you could kind of tell the writing was on the wall that these two weren't going to be together forever. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, all the parents are like, you're 17. Like you can't get engaged. Yeah. One of you can't walk and you're 17. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's not why I didn't think they were going to stay together. I'm just saying like, well, but I feel like there's foreshadowing from the writers that like, sure. This I, isn't going to last. I just think as far as their, uh, emotions and their actions toward each other that maybe this doesn't work out. Yeah. And I mean, even before the whole, all of this went down, they didn't look like a super tight couple. Like they, it felt like almost like an appearance thing. Like you're the yeah. head cheerleader. I'm the quarterback. We should date. I don't know. It seemed like a forced relationship. I mean, they were happy before, right? Maybe. I, mean, I think these were two people that are very caught up in what others think of them think of them and yeah i agree with that it's just kind of a you know 
you're your most popular boy a most popular girl we obviously have to date yeah yeah i mean that's and obviously observation yeah these are two people that come from i mean i guess jason not necessarily doesn't come from a super affluent family but if you're a big time high school quarterback recruit you got to have a little bit of money to be able to train and go do camps and then lila obviously comes from from money and yeah i mean the relationship couldn't have been that strong she cheated on him with his best friend like three weeks after he got paralyzed so yeah the foundation in hindsight was not cracks yeah cracks yeah what but wait crack a lot of cracks a lot of cracks in, yeah. in that relationship <laughs> um a lot of crabs though also with tim riggins other media day we get a very weird scene between voodoo and smash you don't even mention the fact that they're playing voodoo in the state title game yeah which i thought was kind of just kind of a hollywood like let's drum let's really drum up the drama i love extra. it did did ray voodoo tatum I don't want actually didn't you, score you, in the second half. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't, I don't want to steal your thought. What were you going to say about Ray and smashes? Well, it didn't happen immediately, but just when voodoo tried to recruit smash. Yeah. yeah. Was voodoo ahead of the game on let's go just chase rings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, this was, this is pre player empowerment era in any sport. This is before <laughs> the decision. This is pre, obviously very pre transfer portal. Uh, pre high school kids, you know, pre IMG Academy, probably. Do you think LeBron was just like looking at his 20 or his like 2007 MacBook and was watching this on iTunes and was thinking, like, yeah, I should do that with other players? <laughs> I think it's feasible. I think we need to talk to LeBron, get him on the next pod, and be like, hey, did Ray Voodoo Tatum inspire all of the chaos that's happened in the NBA since you made that damn decision? If, if Friday Night Lights uh, influenced LeBron so much, maybe they should have had a plot line about uh, how China, Chinese communism is bad. Oh, maybe, my God. Maybe it would have saved him some trouble here the last couple of weeks. I can't wait. I wonder. I'm not like an avid South Park watcher now that I'm not a teenage boy. Um, but I do want to know what they do with that because they were always really good. They predicted it. Did they? Yeah, they, well, they didn't predict it, but they had a whole episode about China before this whole thing even started. They've had a few episodes about China. They've, they've like predicted weird things before. They've done they've done some things in the past, but um, and I, I watched I watched it the other day. It was the first time I watched South Park in years, but um, I don't even remember the character's name. Anyway, but so yeah, I can't even tell you what happens in it. But Ray Voodoo Tatum tries to recruit Smash at the hotel, which also kind of is like, no, I'm it, a Panther. It kind of feels like the whole Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, like Draymond recruiting Kevin amid yeah. their playoff series. I feel like the actor that plays Voodoo, like, I really feel like he nailed it the first time that he was Voodoo, and then they probably had him film this like a couple months later. I didn't think it was that good of a performance. He, he he was a little bit rusty. I think he was like I think he forgot who he was. It's it's kind of hard to capture that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, this is probably an add-on scene, and they really could have done without it. Like this does not make a twelve-episode season because it doesn't really have any effect. Because Smash is just like no, I'm a Panther, and he's like, well, your coach is leaving, you might as well leave. And he's like, he still was like no, but like, does it really fire them up anymore? I don't really understand. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to get in Smash's head. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, trying to 
butter him. It seemed like he was trying to butter him up a little bit at first. But it, after, especially after Voodoo like talked all that smack about Saracen at Media Day. Yeah. Which is kind of mean. And Matt's like, I have all the respect in the world for Voodoo. You know, like, he's a great player. Can't wait to go against him. Yeah. Matt's like, my defensive line is going to smash Matt Saracen like a bug. It felt like he kind of became like a lot. I mean, I don't think he was, like you said, I don't think he was ever supposed to be the, like when he first came into the fray, like he wasn't this vocal guy. Yeah. I mean, he still is not really all that sure of himself. Um, I don't know. He's an interesting character that I think you probably could do without for the most part. Yeah. I mean, he's like, if you had to come back, this is the end of voodoo, right? This is the end of voodoo. Yeah. Um, Got my voodoo. Oh, we get. There's a different star player that comes in that's played by Michael B. Jordan. What's his name? Vince. Is Vince okay? I couldn't remember if he had like a fancy nickname like Voodoo or Smash. No, just Vince. Yeah, I can't wait for Vince. This cast is so good. Got Jesse Plemons. You're spoiling everything. I'm not spoiling. Just so many people. All I said is that Michael B. Jordan is on the show. Thousands that listen to our podcast that have never watched the show. That is a complete lie. I know it is. They've seen. They've everybody's seen the whole show. I'd hope so. I, it's I, a great show. I don't even. I don't even remember what season Vince is on. He's not two, right? Four. It's four. Yeah. I don't know all the seasons. Even the TV shows that I've watched recently, I'm like, is that in season two or seven? I don't really Keep remember. Keep your seasons together. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, this, by the way, I was going to say th- this game is really interesting as well. While we're on the topic of fourth down is really interesting because a, it's at the old cowboy stadium, RIP, yeah, which is cool. Yeah. It's um, cool to like walk up and see that you get the, the custom nameplate for smash. So smash yeah. Williams, instead of Brian, um, but also just an ode to the movie where they also play the state championship game. Um, I definitely in, knew that. Is it the cowboy stadium? Um. Actually, no. The the movie is not in in Cowboy Stadium. Um, it's definitely not. But Did you it's just make that up. Well, I remember now. Um, that it was uh, in the Astrodome. Don't spoil the movie for anybody. Oh, I I just did. Um, big plot point. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get. You want to talk about the game next? Well, I was gonna say like the game. A note to the movie is a lot the TV show mimics the movie and the fact that they get down big in the first half and then they make a miraculous comeback. Although in the movie, I won't spoil this for you actually. Um, cause I do want you to, to watch it since you've never seen it. I mean, I won't be watching it for the plot. I'll just be watching it to say that I've watched it probably. But anyway, um, the Dylan Panthers, um, down like what? 26 to zero and just not having a good day weird weird choice for it to be 26 right well you, you gotta have the game winning touchdown well but it could Without be 27 it. sure i don't know uh matt is terrible at first then voodoo scores then he scores again and then matt throws a pick six and it's 26 to nothing after three touchdowns that we see there's a safety i think in there but i'm not sure i don't remember maybe i didn't write that down Maybe that, that would make more sense as opposed to just missing two extra points. You're going for two twice and missing. I don't know. Um, what did you think of Coach Taylor's halftime speech down 26 to nothing? I thought it was pretty pedestrian. I mean, it worked, but... His speeches have he's not... Given, he's given better speeches. Yeah, I think 
for as, as I give a lot of credit to what they do in these late episodes because I think they're really good. Yeah. I do think they kind of ran out of Eric, Eric Taylor material. Like they were just like he's given some good speeches yeah. and we're kind of out of ideas right now. Yeah. Thank he, God we'll all be together next season <laughs> and we can just you know really put them together. Uh, second half better. They finally give the ball to Smash again. Um, Buddy Garrity starts talking smack to Voodoo. Which is fine until you realize that it's a high school kid. It's like the <laughs> equivalent of a 50-year-old man tweeting at a high school kid. Yeah, to uh, screw you. You know, I bet you got paid to, to play there. Yeah. Which he did. Voodoo. It's like they put me up real nice at West Cambridge or wherever it is. But um, it's weird. Two things that are weird. We don't see Smash really at all in the first half. It's all Saracen. Game plan totally changes in the second half. All smash. Yeah, you have a star running back. They, Go figure. They, they, they. I feel like they made a huge error. There should have been like some, like some star player on defense. The like, really, yeah. t- like Tim Riggins probably should have been a linebacker, right? A hundred percent. Like if they make Tim Tim Riggins a linebacker, this shows my, the game film itself is much more balanced. Yeah, I think so. Um, because. They hold the Dylan holds them scoreless the whole second half. We don't see them play a other than the scoop and score. We don't see any defense get played. Yeah, people it just people don't like defense. Yeah. People don't care. Also, it's much more believable that Tim Riggins could have like a college career at linebacker versus running. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, fullback. Tim, Timmy's a Timmy's an even H-back. at fullback. I mean, he's. I think I think Bill Snyder's looking at Tim Riggins and thinking like I'm going to turn him into an all big eight. He's just back. not all big eight. Yeah. No. What year do you think this was? <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> Bill Snyder. Well, yeah, but the big the Big Twelve's been around since like '96. Yeah, I know. I'm just Tim Riggins <laughs> would have been the ideal big eight fullback. I think he's too small, but. It's a little slender. He Maybe so. Got it. He's got to have the booze, get in the weight room a little bit more. Also, I feel like the Not Canadian even. accent comes out. Like I feel like at points he's just like, I'm so tired of doing this. Accent. I haven't noticed it as much as that one time when he was like talking to Street, you know, giving Street the game ball. That's the only time that I remember it. I think it comes out a little bit in these. Maybe that's just me. I feel like it comes out in these late episodes that he's just like, oh, God. I felt like Matt Saracen's accent is like all over the place. Like he's trying to play Texan <laughs> and like, it's very clear that the actor is not Southern. Yeah. And so like Matt's voice is sometimes like he was in that conversation with Landry, um, where he's like, how to go with Tyra. Yeah. And like, you know, we didn't talk about that at all, but Matt basically tells Landry, like you have to tell an adult. Yeah. Matt's voice is so Southern in that scene, but there are other scenes where he sounds like he's from like, Ohio? I don't know. Midwestern. Yeah. I get you. Mostly he's Midwestern, but I don't know. That's I feel like that's a, a worse accent inconsistency than Reagan's. Sure. But neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah. I, I I don't want to complain again, but I think that's what we're uh, – I think that's what we're here for in terms of this part of the podcast. But, um, well, I guess – no, there's one thing before I complain. Uh, Smash gets hurt. He does. And he ends up, they pop his shoulder back into place and tell him not to play. Feels unnecessary. And he said, yeah, the popping noise, the, the popping sound effect. Well, just overall. Could have done without it. Just overall. You got to add more like, drama. Yeah. I, I know you got to add more drama. It's kind of, um, as you like to say, legend building. Yeah. Um, 
like i mean that's a that's a thing like you remember when smash you know dislocated his shoulder uh, he went back into the game buddy dirty heavy breathing (laughs) (laughs) i remember (laughs) there's a whole there's a a long lost uh section of this podcast where joe um the first trailer that we were going to release does a buddy garrity impression oh god you ended up not letting us use it we ended ended up re-recording it but it's on our patreon (laughs) (laughs) if if you subscribe to our patreon which we have not made yet Joe, once a week, will send you whatever, will say whatever you want him to in Buddy Garrity's voice. Yeah, you don't have to pay Brad Leland's $500 cameo fee. <laughs> Is it really $500? It's up there. I don't know if oh it's $500. Has he done anything else since this show? That's outrageous. Um, no, he should quit while he's ahead. Also, you know, at the end of season one here, I, I'm sure Buddy Garrity gets a redemption arc. I don't really remember, but. He doesn't deserve one. No, not at this point. Not a fan. Um. All right, thing that I'm going to complain about. There's 56 seconds left. Panthers are wherever they are on the field. Saracen gets sacked. They immediately call a timeout. There's six seconds left. It's a 50-second play. Like, it's lazy. I don't know. Like, just have there be 20 20 seconds left whenever Saracen gets sacked. Also, Saracen, throw the ball away. Yeah. Don't take a sack, bro. Saracen's not, doesn't have the highest football IQ. Well, he's not really a very good athlete at all. He's not really good at football, to be honest. He's pretty terrible. (laughs) He's just a body. He is, he's not even Alex Smith. What, I mean, he's like, he's AJ McCarron. Yeah. There's nothing overly impressive about him. Blake Barnett. Yeah. He's just surrounded by really good football players. Yeah. It seems. Um, he won the 5A state championship in the state of Texas, so we can't really talk smack. But, Gotta love it. Um, on a hook and ladder. On a hook and ladder play. Was, I believe that was the out route that Street was talking about and the, this 18-yard out on the field with that. Yeah, whenever they were talking, I think you're right. Whenever they were drinking on the field, and then they just added the hook and ladder out of desperation, which they had never practiced before, and it just worked. Another thing predates Boise State Fiesta Bowl. Does it? Does it? Probably. I think I, I think that was like 2007. <laughs> Boise State OU was the 2006 season, but it was probably played like January 1st, 2007. Well, this show was... Season one of Friday Night Lights was in 2005. Oh, okay. So it definitely predates it. Um, let me confirm that. No, because the first season aired in 2006, like the fall of 2006. Friday Night Lights episode... Air dates. Dun 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 dun. Epguides.com. Very reliable. Um, oh, shoot. You're right. I know. I thought it was. That's interesting. So, yeah, this episode aired April 11th, 2007. Yeah, so it was after. So it was like three months after. So, but truly they would have filmed it. I wonder when they filmed it. It's feasible that a network show might have not had, might have not wrapped on that last one, like until after January. Yeah. Well, they yeah they probably didn't because they probably could not use the Cowboy Stadium until after their season was over. Yeah. So yeah, it was probably it's probably post January. Not that the Cowboys play in, in February very often. 
but I would imagine they should. That was an insult. <laughs> you got him, Spence. You got him. Um, I really thought. Why did I think the show was 2005? I've been saying 2005. This you've been saying 2005. I know. You haven't corrected me yet. Why? Okay. I just I <laughs> you just, just let me be wrong. We're firmly in 2007 territory here. Um, and yeah, it started in 2006. So yeah. They pro- it was probably post Boise State. Yeah. When they filmed it, you mean? Yeah. So is this a cringy pop culture reference? I think so. Yeah. I think that qualifies. Ding. We don't have like a cringy pop culture button, but that's um, what it would sound like probably. That's probably it, right? I mean, the hook and ladder works. Get the dramatic slow-mo scene of smash breaking tackles, fighting through three guys. I thought we were going to get a, a 2000 Super Bowl moment with the titans coming up one yard short in the super bowl but it had been almost too good i mean they could have there is probably an alternate version of the show where they don't win the state title yeah like and i think i'm fine with that if they lose at the one yard line i think that's probably fine just get to later seasons and we'll find out how well they do yeah. in the playoffs yeah. there's a lot of opportunities there dun 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 extra points um yeah, there's a few here. I mean, we uh, we kind of talked about the pregnancy thing. Um, I feel like we've kind of talked about everything. Those are extra points. We did not talk about the neighbor lady. What's her name? Jackie. Jackie. I don't like saying her. She she does bad things later in season two um, to uh, to Tim Riggins. But she breaks up with Tim. Tim gives her, you know, after. Well, first off, Tim tries to kiss her uh, in this episode block. Gets denied after he had carried Bo to bed and then but she ends up saying you know is cool with it later or the very i think the next episode probably yeah and they have a she short, comes around to it they have a short um but eventful relationship and then uh she ends it and tim is pretty upset about that um but still wants to give the tickets to Bo and is still like clearly kind of wants to be there for Bo. i think which is nice um even though it's like, I don't know. I also thought it was funny that when it, she's like explaining to, he's explaining to her why he's teaching Bo how to fight. And he's like, you know, he's four kids are about ready to kick his butt. And she's like, well, where were the, where were the school monitors? And he's like, well, that's the thing. I'm, I may have been a little bit late. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you were late. That's the one thing I told you not to do. And he's like, you know, he kind of pushed past it. Um, but yeah, you love that scene. You sent me a text. It's like, this is why we stand Tim Riggins. This is, I mean, this is part of the reason why we stand Tim Riggins is that he's a caring father figure to Bo Miller. Um, it's the, literally the only positive thing he did in 22 episodes. I'm not saying you're wrong. Would you like to say that I'm right? I don't want to say Can that you name right. anything else good that he did? He, uh, he stopped he, drinking. He stopped drinking. He like, genuinely, I think, had an interest in Lila and tried to... I mean, he didn't, like, bring her flowers or try to take her on a date or yeah, anything. Yeah, but he moved on from her pretty quickly. Fair. He, uh... In a weird way, I do think he tries very hard to, I guess, take... And whether his intentions are bad or not, but I do think he does a lot to make Saracen include... Like, make him feel included as far as being a leader on the team. Yeah. Which is kind of a... I, I know that he's a you know, kind of a jerk to the JV guys. But as far as Saracen, he really tries to yeah. embrace him. Like 
you're my guy, you're my quarterback. I want everyone else to, you know, yeah. respect you. Yep. And he, I mean, he eventually comes around to smash and is like, you're the leader, not me. Um, though it, we have to get through some racist bumps in the road to get to that point with him. He gave the game ball to Jason. Quality. After he had cheated on, he was cheating on, or he was, yeah, he was sleeping with Lila. I know, that was the joke. Yeah. That was the joke. I missed it. I missed, okay. uh, I missed it in your tone. Um, so, yeah, that's going to go poorly for Tim in, in season two, man. Will it? Will it go poorly? I mean, spoiler alert, skip ahead 15 seconds. Um, I mean, I, th- I think you kind of saw the the beginnings of her getting close with Billy in some of those parade shots. A little, little foreshadowing. Yeah. You're saying? Yeah. Well, we can't neither confirm nor deny. I'm really sticking to this no spoil. I mean, bit. I said spoil. They they're skipped ahead by now. It's yeah, that's fine. fair. It's fine. Um, Smash and Waverly. Um, Waverly, I think is this. It's this episode block where she comes out and says, "Like I'm tell Smash that she's bipolar." Um, Smash says some ins- insensitive things about it to his friends, um, but privately with. Waverly, he's actually pretty good about the whole thing and is pretty supportive. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think that obviously Smash and the time period that this show is shot in probably is pretty reflective of people's ignorance around mental health issues and not having a lot of information about yeah. it. Um, not to say that it excuses it, um, but I do think as far as being a partner, um, Smash is genuinely a caring person. Yeah. I mean, and going on with that, I mean, earlier before we started, uh, my wife Paige was in here talking about, and she's not really seen the show, but she saw part of the episode where Waverly was like explaining to Smash what bipolar disorder was. And she was like, that's a okay definition of what that is. Yeah. But, you know, it's not really, you know, it's it's what we thought in 2007, I guess. But, there, you know, there's better definitions now. I mean, yeah. We've progressed, obviously. Um we see a lot of a lot of interesting character moments with Smash, or at least one where she basically tells Waverly tells him like, you know, you deserve a break, like go off on a state, cheat on me if you want to. Essentially, is what she's saying. A hall pass. Yeah, a hall, you know, you're on hiatus. Which, and, wow. Yeah, a choice. I mean, I don't know if that would ever happen or not. Um, in terms of somebody giving. Uh, yeah. Giving you a whole pass? Yeah, I, I, mean, I have no idea if like that's a realistic thing that happens with. There's probably, a whole movie based around it. Probably, <laughs> it's, it's called Hall Pass. <laughs> probably not um, something that you know immature high school students should be practicing in their relationships. Probably not know. a good foundational piece. I don't want to judge um, people on how they live but, their lives. I mean, they set this up basically put it on a tee for Smash to hit it over, out of the park and be like, you know, I'm gonna. I want to be with you. Like, you know, yeah. he, he turns down these party requests after he passed the, the test. Roast. Yeah. He passed the test. It's kind of like, there's a, that you watched that 70 show. Have you seen it? It's a very no. adorable scene where Kelso, uh, Jackie had cheated on Kelso and Kelso kept bringing it up. And so Jackie was like, well, just kiss somebody so we can get over it and we'll be even. And she's like, just kiss anybody in this room that you want to, whatever. I don't care. Like just kiss anybody you want. And then he goes and kisses Jackie. Oh, it's very sweet. She's like, Oh, it's a very wholesome moment. 
Uh, I love that 70s show. I, watch I it, never I watch, got into it. I watch it every night. I'm not a big fan of Ashton Kutcher, though. You're not a big fan of Ashton Kutcher? Not really, my guy. I, I like his activism. I mean, I don't like... Um, I love his like political you stuff. You like his energy. Yeah. I don't like... I, I never got into punked. Oh. Um, which I feel like was his big follow-up. Mm, yeah. It wasn't great. Um, but like that 70s show is kind of a miracle because none of those kids ever acted before and we get like Mila Kunis and Topher Grace and Wilder Valderrama and the woman who plays Donna is in Orange and the New Black I can't remember her name she's also in How I Met Your Mother briefly right yeah yeah. she has a little little appearance in there Um, but that's enough that 70s show talk that's going to be our our second podcast venture (laughs) oh oh buddy Um, optimistic there (laughs) Uh, what are we doing here I think, I mean, does that about, I mean, we can save kind of some parting thoughts next week. Yeah. So, I mean, next week we are going to, uh, we're not going to start season two next week. Next week we are going to do a big picture breakdown of season one. Uh, not a hundred percent sure how that episode is going to be structured. We are looking into some creative things that we could do. Maybe, um, maybe try to bring people outside of us to come on and share their takes broadly about season one and just, have a, a a full circle discussion of, of what we just watched. Would be lovely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah. The plan right now is to do that after every season. Um, and then, so two weeks from now, we will start season two, uh, back doing uh, three episode blocks again. But any other, I don't, I don't think there are any other extra points. I thought it was interesting. Smash at the parade was in a sling, which is just a nice touch. Yeah. Nice, nice, playing nice hurt. little touch, yeah. Playing he's not hurt. injured. Yeah, he's just hurt. Legend building. Um, at the parade, the number of cowboy hats were alarming. No, that's that's fitting. That it was alarming. Though. If was, there was mums on them as well, that would be even <laughs> better. Um, anything else that we we're forgetting, or do you just want to jump into? Let's get some awards. Jump into awards. I feel like I had another clip that I wanted to play. But I, I guess it was just the uh, the Laurel one there. I don't know. Yeah, who's who's your MVP? Man, this is a tough one because there's a lot of different ways you could go here. But I think, as far as like feeling good about who deserves it, I think it's Maddie Magic. That's who I wrote down. I think. Of all the people who kind of overcame the odds and in the biggest moment, biggest stage, Matt Saracen, true to his form, yep. delivers. He doesn't know yet, but he's also, he's not going to lose his girlfriend, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, it's good. That's that's a good thing for Matt. Yeah. I th- he I, needs that. I think the MVP of this block is definitely Matt. I think it's the first time he's been MVP since the first block. So good for Matty. I'm um, happy for him. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anybody else. Tammy has a really good block here. Doesn't really make any mistakes. Is just the steady, you know. Does Landry she's deserve like the LeBron James of this of this situation, where like she is the best player in the league every year, but we give the MVP to somebody else? Yeah. Does Landry deserve some type of honorable mention? Absolutely. Landry uh, had an excellent block. Did the right thing um, by at least. And we started to talk about this, and then I think we got off track. But, like, yes, I think the survivors of these assaults should ultimately be in control of, like, whether or how much gets reported to authorities. 
Yeah. Um, but hundred percent an adult should be involved in that situation or in that conversation. Yeah. And Landry knew that he was not equipped to handle that and did the right thing by ultimately telling Tammy. Yeah. So LVP who you got. It's a repeat performance from, uh, from old buddy Garrity. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to say buddy of, I mean, I mean, he lost his he last block. He lost his wife. This block. He lost his daughter. Yeah, it's not going well for Bud. No, I mean he won. He did win the state title and seemed pretty he didn't happy, win. But he didn't win anything. Oh, this state title doesn't happen without Buddy Garrity. I mean, yeah, if he didn't bring in Ray Voodoo Tatum, uh, just everything falls apart. I'm sure he's. There's no part he played in this. What? In I'm sure he's paid for all of their facilities. He. Is a big part of the overall culture. You're saying he's invested into this team financially. Okay, I can get, I can behind that. I, I think the one thing he actually contributed was he brought Ray Voodoo Tatum in, and that really burned them. He almost Did cost it? him. He almost cost him. Yeah, I if mean, he it almost cost him. Almost cost him. He did some. He probably did more damage than he needed to. I, it was a calculated risk on Buddy's part. I, I yeah. Fair enough. Um, any other LVP candidates? Probably um, not. I mean, not any. Angela Collette, a little bit honorable mention for kind of being a little bit of a jerk to Tyra, but I don't yeah. think she's deserving of it. She's going through a lot. Yeah. But trying to hold Tyra back, that's not cool. No, it was very toxic. Um, but it's not like I think she convinced herself that it was the right thing to do, even though it was twisted. Street. Um, I know he kind of gets his footing. I think street ends up in a good, too in too good of a spot. Yeah. And I think being separated from Lila is ultimately going to be a good thing. I can dig it. He pro- street's big mistake was probably getting like taking Lila back in the first place. Like it was pretty unrealistic that this was ever going to work out. Proposing to her definitely wasn't a good move. No, it was a very emotional decision um, brought on by an argument with Herc, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then that heated argument with Buddy in the some parking lot at night or whatever. I don't even remember where that was, but where he like confronted her about setting her up on a date. Um, LVP. I'm, I'm, I think it's Buddy. Yeah. It pretty much has to be Buddy. Spencer, can you believe we did this? We got yeah. through one season of Friday Night Lights. Got through one season. All it took was like eight weeks. Pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. Not too bad. Um, yeah, we don't have any other awards, do we? No, that's about it. So It was a good time, though. Yeah. And Spencer, I look forward to next week where we recap season one, as we have mentioned. Yep. And then we'll get into season two, same format as before. It's going to be a good time. Make sure you all are subscribed. Tell your friends. Taylor Made. Tell them about us, Taylor Made, a Friday Night Lights podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms. If you leave us a review, it is much appreciated. It helps get the word out about the show. Um, and yeah, that's all, I, that's all I've got. Spencer, you got anything else to tell the fans? No, man. Just clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose.